to the Grand Point Church Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Stein, and today's message is the third in our Mud Run series, and it's called Motivated by Example. This message has been one of our most requested, and I'm excited to be able to share it with you today. Pastor Lawrence Metzler shares the stage with Olympic long-distance runner and coach Steve Spence. Today's featured verses come from Hebrews 12, 1-3, and you're going to experience this scripture like never before when you hear today's discussion. Well, there's this um, Instagram account that's out there right now about church leaders who are wearing these expensive designer shoes. <laughs> the, the, most, uh, the most common trend right now is preachers wearing sneakers. And you can go on Instagram, you can, it's hashtag preachers and sneakers, and you can go on, preachers are wearing sneakers along with their fitted suits, along with their tattered jeans, it's, it's just the end thing. So you can go onto this Instagram account and you can see preachers, preachers that are actually wearing, uh, you know, $820 Yeezy Boost 700 shoes, right? There's even one preacher on there that is, that is rocking a, high, a pair of high top red, bright red Jordans at a price tag of $6,000. Anybody here pay $6,000 for a pair of shoes? Raise your hand if you did. We'd like to talk to you. Want one? No? So now I'm wearing sneakers this morning. Actually, these are running shoes, true running shoes, but I'm wearing them for a different purpose. I'm wearing these this morning because I want to use these shoes to help set up this brand new series, or this brand new message in our series called Mud Run. These sneakers are actually borrowed. I actually borrowed these shoes from our guest speaker today for a couple of reasons because I wanted to have a good pair of running shoes, and the second reason was I just wanted to see what it was like to walk in his shoes for a moment. And I'll explain this. He's going to explain these shoes here in, in just a little while. But the reason that we're doing this today is because of our Mud Run series. And if you've been here over the past month, uh, we've, we're talking about running the race, running the Mud Run, right, which is characteristic of life with obstacles, walls, moments of fire that we have to go through at times and challenges that we all race. But the ultimate goal of a Mud Race is to come to the end and finish well and stand there with your team and just uh, celebrate that victory. That's exactly what we want to do as a church as well. We all want to cross that finish line someday and stand there celebrating as a team victorious. Today's text, so, so let me just give a little review on this series just to make sure that we're all together because in this series we're identifying four essential things that we need in order to run well. And in week number one, we have come together and we decided that in order to run the mud run of life, life well, first of all, we need to be, come on, I heard it. Other than the pastor's wife, we need to be what? Okay, okay, so it's been two weeks. That's a long time, but uh, I, I understand now you can forget this. But we need to, number one, be empowered by the Spirit. And listen, this is the very Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead who now lives where? In me, in you, in us. That will blow your mind, but not only does that blow your mind, that empowers you to do what you think you could never do in your life. The very fact that you have the power of God's Spirit within you, the same resurrection Spirit that lives within you now, is is available to you. Week number two, we decided that not only do we need to be empowered by the Spirit, but we need to be Encouraged encouraged by prayer. There we go. 
Figure out who that was. That was only one week away, so we can't forget that. We so desperately need a connection with God. We do. And God has created this means of communication, two-way means of communication in which we connect with him, and that communication is called prayer. So here's what happens when we pray. Not only do we talk to God, but we also listen and receive from him. And in that communication between us and God, God just begins to activate that spirit within us that enables us then to do what we could not do. So we need to be empowered by the Spirit. We need to be encouraged by prayer. And essential number three is this. We need to be motivated by the witness, by an example. So today we're going to be talking about those people, those men and women that have already run the race. They've crossed the finish line. They finished well, and they're now cheering you on. Hebrews chapter 12 is our text for this morning. And we're going to be looking just at three verses, uh, three verses in this text. And... uh, It begins with the word, therefore. Chapter 12 begins with the word, therefore, which simply means that we need to look back and look at the reference of chapter 11. So when we look back at chapter 11, the writer's referring to what we call sometimes the hall of faith. It's the recognition of faithful men and women that went before us, and they finished their mud run well. He begins with Adam and his descendants, and then he moves to the persecutions that they suffered for their faith, and he comes near the end of chapter 11 and verse 38 and says the world was not even worthy of them. The world was not even worthy of them. Now, in chapter 12, he refers to all of these people in chapter 11, he refers to them as the great cloud of witnesses. Great is simply a translation of the Greek word mega. And the cloud of witnesses is a common figure of speech signifying this vast multitude. And then the word martyr, or the word witness, comes from the word martyr, which simply means there's a reference to people who bear witness of their faith no matter what. Even if life gets difficult, even if there's persecutions that come at them, even if they're being killed for their faith, they're standing firm and they're bearing witness of that. So this text, Hebrews chapter 12, pictures all of us like in this Roman Colosseum, this big sporting event that's happening, and it's people that are preparing to run this long distance and difficult race. And all the people are gathered in the stands. People have already completed this. They've received the the victory. They've received the crown, and now they're gathered, and they're standing there cheering you on as we, we watch that. So we're gathered on the track. Right, we have our running shoes on, and then the coach pulls us together for some final instructions. And that's exactly what's happening in Hebrews chapter 12. It's like the coach is pulling us all together and saying, listen, you're just about ready to start this long distance run. Or maybe it's like there's a little break in the run, and he's pulling us aside and said, here's what you need to finish well. So in order to help us understand the directives of Hebrews chapter 12, I thought the best thing I could do would be to invite a coach to come and help share their perspective on this. So I've invited Steve Spence. He's the head of the cross-country coach uh, and assistant track coach at Shippensburg University. I've asked Steve to come in and help me do this message this morning because who better to talk about this than a runner? Steve is a long-distance runner. Uh, having received the bronze medal in the 1991 World Championships. He won the Olympic trials in 1992 and then participated in the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. But most impressive, I believe, is that Steve holds the world record, world record as far as we know, of running a sub-five-minute mile for 43 consecutive years. That's impressive. 
This guy knows something about running. Join me in welcoming Steve Spence to come on up here. Steve, thanks so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure. You are, we got, we on there? We on. We on. All right, we got the blue one there. We good there? All right. Steve, welcome. Welcome. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Yeah. That is not a runner's injury, is it? <laughs> no, no. That's, that's uh, I, I tried to cut off my finger with a chainsaw. Oh. I'm, I'm happy to report I was unsuccessful. You were unsuccessful with that one. Yes. So, so are we. So are we. That looks nasty. Wow. Hopefully I didn't shake that too hard. Well, welcome, Steve. Great to have you Thank here you. as we're talking about uh, running this race. Uh, we're talking about running the race literally, you know, in the Christian life. And uh, we're going to talk about running literally on the track. Steve, tell us a little bit about that. Now, I could, I could ask him for some more credentials. I just listed a few, but here's what I'll tell you to do. You just Google Steve Spence. Google Steve Spence and then go down to Wikipedia, and you'll find a huge article there. And when you read all of those accomplishments, you'll be like, oh, my goodness, that guy was at our church today. So you do that. You don't have to do it now. That'll, that'll kind of wipe out our Internet here, but if everybody does that. But uh, this, this guy is amazing, and he knows a little bit about running. So, Steve, tell us, how did you get into this? How did you, when did you discover that you were a runner? How did this whole thing begin for you? Because it actually became a, a career for, what, like nine years? Yeah, I, I actually made a living at running for 11 years. For 11 years. Okay. And then, then became a coach, and I'm in my 22nd year as head coach at, at Shippensburg. At Shippensburg. Yep. So how did this all start for you? When did you discover that you were a runner? Well, I, I thought I was a basketball player, but at 5'8", um, you know, I was kind of limited without much jumping ability. So um, I decided to, uh, with some of my buddies in ninth grade, we decided that we thought we should go out for cross country to get in condition for basketball. And it kind of snowballed from there. And it started slowly, but it, it got rolling and, you know, I kept buying in and, and got to the point where... You know, I was able to make an Olympic team eventually. So, so you actually moved into long distance running, obviously. Pretty soon. So, when did you do your first marathon? Uh, first marathon was the Baltimore Marathon in 1985, and um, I went into it totally unprepared, and uh, of course, that didn't go so well. It got yeah. yeah. It, it was good for about 20 miles, and then the wheels came off, and the last six wow. mile was miles wow. was was pretty ugly. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But so how many marathons have you participated in in your lifetime? Yeah, um, I've participated in 12. I finished 11. The last marathon I ran was the Olympic trials in 1996. And I made it to about 23 miles. And as my uh, buddy Dave Martin says, I ran out of reasons for running at that point. So I, I sat down and I waited for the truck to come along that was in the back that was collecting the runners that decided they also ran out of reasons to keep running. Wow. Now remember, church, we're going to be making a lot of analogies here today to the Christian life, and, and this, is, this is key. Um, so, Steve, I, I wanted to kind of walk in the shoes of a runner, so I asked Steve if I could wear a pair of his shoes today, because I can't, I can't afford shoes like this. I mean, I don't know how much these things cost, but Steve, tell me, tell us a little bit about these shoes. What's significant about this pair of shoes that I get to walk in yeah, today? Yeah, those are some nice looking shoes. They're bright red. And, oh, thank, thank you. And yeah. uh, you, you look good in them. 
But uh, those are called racing flats. They weigh about three or four ounces. They're extremely light. And I only wear those a few times a year, usually for a couple of workouts where I get on the track uh, just to hone my speed and then to run my sub-five mile attempt or sub-five minute mile attempt. So, so, so I could do that with these shoes. And yeah, those, those shoes have run fairly fast, I guess, in yeah. the scheme of things. But I, I think I've worn those for the last five or six years when I've gone sub-five. Sub mm -hmm. so now, you wouldn't wear these then to run a long-distance run. I mean, they're, there's, just not, there's not much to them. I feel like I'm just kind of like there's barefoot. There's not much to them at all. So those are kind of a track shoe or maybe if you were going to do a 5K or something shorter on the roads, but probably nothing right. over 5K nothing would be advised. Yeah. yeah, good. But if you want to do some... 5Ks or something, just let me know. You can borrow them. Yeah, thanks, thanks. I, I will let you know. So Steve and, I, Steve and I actually sat down a little bit earlier this week, and we took the scripture that we're going to be going through this morning, Hebrews chapter 12. And we went through this whole, this whole three verses and talked about, about the runner because what Hebrews does, Hebrews is like a coach. We don't know who wrote this book, but it was like a coach, and he gives us four directives for running. And those directives are, let us throw off everything that hinders. Number two, let us throw off all the sin that so easily entangles. Number three is, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And then number four is, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So Steve and I worked through all of these, and, and I just want a runner to help me understand that kind of coaching. So when a coach comes along and says, listen, you've got to throw off everything that, that, that hinders, what does that mean to you as a runner? Like when you're getting ready to, let's just, let's just use a marathon at this moment. When you're ready to start a marathon, what do you, like what do you put off? Well, I, I, I think it's the, one of the main things is to be very in touch with yourself and to um, have your, know what your plan is. And not to be following someone else's plan. And, yeah. you know, we all know, you know, maybe by firsthand example or, or at least know of someone that doesn't pace themselves very well, whether that be in running or other, other aspects of life where they start off like a house of fire and then it doesn't go very well from there and they aren't going to be able to finish strong. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's important to, to stick with your plan, have a plan for one thing. Stick, stick to your plan. Know that it's a unique plan. And then uh, comparison is a really big thing. Yeah. And uh, you don't want to compare. That, no, we don't want to compare. That, that gets us in trouble that I think, I, I feel it really kills the joy in our lives when we start comparing to others. And running is kind of a metaphor for that. We don't want to compare because there's always going to be someone faster than us. Right. And... You know, I've run some races and, and done extremely well, but then I look around and there's always someone that's running faster there or even or somewhere else. And um, so that's something I, I've so you really... You want to put off comparisons. Yeah, definitely, not, definitely don't compare. Well. Also yeah. eliminating distractions. Mm. And in our society these days, that's very challenging. And I work with youngsters, you know, uh, in the 18 to 22-year-old range yeah. on a daily basis and there's just a huge amount of distractions compared to when I was their age right. and you know they carry these pocket computers around and they have these games called Fortnite that I've heard about where they stay up all night playing that yeah. and um, you know and then just the 
what's normalized in our society with, you know, alcohol and, and things of that sort that they can get into. And, and uh, it's all those it's, things will affect all, the race, all those. I mean. All those will take away from us running our best race. Yes. Yes. And and then addictions with, you know, whether it be food or drugs or yeah. or any of those those things that go go like that can really, really affect our, our bodies and I, I know when we were talking earlier in the week, Steve, you said sometimes even even relationships can become a a hindrance to running well. Now we we typically consider relationships good things, right? We talk a lot about being relational people, but I know what, something about you tell your students to come in, right? You, you can't have a, a boyfriend or girlfriend at home and another boyfriend or girlfriend at school because that just yeah. doesn't work, right? Yeah, well, I, I tell them that the freshmen when they come in, I'm like, you know, a lot of them will have, be coming out of relationships, have a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend at home, and I tell them, we're well, going to have to make a decision. Are you going to continue that or are you going to have one here? Or, or, you know, or maybe no relationships, which may be a good thing to really yeah. eliminate distractions at that point in their life. But right. I tell them they can't do both. They can't have to make both, a decision. Right. right. Good advice for a freshman, obviously. <laughs> but uh, so, so when you're running, you want to put off comparisons, put off distractions, as many distractions as possible. Toxic relationships, maybe we could say. Yeah. Get, yeah. With. With my running, I had a whole team of people behind me that allowed me to be successful. It started with my wife, Kirsten, over here, who uh, was really, really supportive at home. And she took care of a lot of the stuff that was going on at home so that I could focus on what I needed to do. Yeah. And, and, uh, and my back's a little sore. I'm, I might need a massage tonight, honey, after <laughs> this afternoon. So, and she, she acted as a massage therapist for me for many years as well. And, uh, but I'm a massage therapist, a strength coach, a physiologist, and, um, you know, people help me with my diet and, and, uh, just, it went on and on and, and, you know, dozens of people that helped me mm-hmm. and those relationships. And I, I kind of was very cautious with who I led into my inner circle. And when I let them in, you know, I wanted relationships that would help support me and help me move right. forward with my goals and, once in a while, someone would get in there that was not doing that. I had a massage therapist at one point that uh, was a great guy, and I really enjoyed talking with him, but he took a lot of energy from me, mm-hmm. and it just got to the point where I, I needed to end the relationship because uh, it, was, it was definitely draining me and right. keeping me from getting where I wanted to be. Right. So this is, this is so key, and I hope you're, I hope you're hearing this from a runner to, to run well. As an Olympic runner, marathon runner, uh, there's just certain things that have to be out of the system, right? Out of your, out of your mind. The, the second part here, so Hebrews says, okay, throw off anything that hinders. We've identified some things that hinder a runner. The second thing that the, the coach of Hebrews says is throw off any sin that so easily entangles us. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But was there anything there that kind of was analogous to Maybe you, just in the practical world of running, related yeah, to sin. Yeah, well, well uh, you know, God, the Bible says God created us in his image. And, um, and that he created us. Um, and and uh, I'm trying to remember what, what I was thinking about. But it's, it, it's one of those 
it's uh, the point I want to get to is that um, we are created, you know, as God's image, and He wants the best for us, and He right. loves us, and right. He wants us to honor Him, and you know, have a calling in which we honor God, and Absolutely. we have these great bodies that He's given us mm-hmm. to perform His work. And that work is to honor him. Amen. And um, when we, you know, take that first step out the door, whether we're walking or running, if we, you know, when we pick up that weight and we, you know, exercise our bodies, when we drop down and we give 10 push-ups or do some crunches, um, I feel that we're honoring God by doing that. And Amen. we're taking care of our bodies, and that's going to allow us to, serve God in those Amen. ways and, and yeah. perform his calling for right. us. Right. I wonder if we could do that. Drop, everybody drop and do 10. Could we do that before we leave here? So number three, the third part, the third part of coaching here from um, Hebrews says, and I couldn't wait to ask you this question, Steve. This is what I really wanted to kind of zoom in or in and on with you. But the coach says, let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Now, Steve, I know at one point you were running 140 miles a week, 140 miles a week. Most of us don't even drive that. He was running 140 miles a week, participated in at least 12 marathons, uh, ran in the Olympics. And I, I just want to ask you, what does it take for you to persevere and finish well? I mean, I, I know in the runner's world, there's this language about hitting the wall and getting through that. And so from your experience as a long-distance runner with all of this that you did, how do you persevere through those quitting points? Um, yeah, I have a friend up in Maine that, I, that helped me tr- with training and ran with me. And um, he gave me some advice on goal setting, which I thought was very wise. And he said, you know, when you're setting goals, think about that goal that you feel you can achieve that's reasonable and and realistic and then he goes in case things are going really well that day you know let's set a pie in the sky goal like if it's going great what what can you do and that way you can prepare a little bit in your mind so if that does happen you aren't surprised by it Mm. and you can respond appropriately and go with it and then he also said let's set another goal that if it's not going well what's going to keep you going what's going to get you to the finish line if things are going very terribly. Right. Uh, but the wall in the marathon is something that uh, many of you probably have heard about. Everyone talks about hitting the wall. And basically the wall is when your body runs out of glycogen, which is the fuel that you use to produce energy that keeps those muscles going. And uh, our bodies are created uh, to store glycogen that gets us through about 20 miles. And we can do some things to trick our bodies then by what we call carbo-loading and de- or carbo-depleting and then loading, and that may get us another few miles. So that might get us to 23, but we still have 3.2 still, miles to go beyond to go. there. Yeah. And uh, so if we also take in some glycogen during the race in the form of carbohydrates in a drink or gels or whatever you, know, you may, may want to consume, that can maybe get us through the rest of it without running out of glycogen. Uh, right. But if you run out of glycogen, it's like turning off the spigot. And it's all, all of a sudden, your energy stores are depleted, and then you start to burn fat. Mm-hmm. And fat's great because we can run on fat all day long, 
there's a lot of it, and, and we all, you know, no matter how thin, we still store a lot of fat in our bodies. But um, we can run on that. But the problem with fat is that it burns very slowly, yeah. and it takes a long time. Well, for me, it was like going from running five-minute miles for the marathon to running eight-minute miles. Wow. And uh, I remember one year at the Boston Marathon at 23 miles, I was in fourth place and feeling great, and I'm like, this is it. The, you know, I see third place up there. I'm going to be top three, maybe higher. And then the spigot got turned off. Mm. And all I started thinking then was, don't walk. Mm. And, wow. <laughs> and I ran about 100 yards farther and started walking. Oh, and, <laughs> no. But I, I went from, I think, fourth to 19th in the last three miles. So it got, got pretty wow. ugly. Wow. Yeah. Now, remember, we're, we're trying to make analogies to our Christian life. This, this is so good, isn't it? Because I think what we just heard is that somewhere along our lives, we're going to have to refuel. We're going to have to keep, keep putting something into our, 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 our minds, our faith bodies, right, so that we can finish well. And uh, appreciate that. One more thing. The final point then was to fix your eyes on Jesus. So here's what I'd like to know. What is your focus and how do you maintain that focus? When you're getting ready to to run, obviously there's got to be a mental preparation in addition to the physical. What do you do mentally to make sure that you get through this race? What, what is your thought patterns yeah. and mental preparation? Yeah, planning and preparation are huge. And, um, you know, I, I have some athletes that talk with me and they're like, Coach, I need to do some more mental work and, and stuff like that. And because I'm struggling in race situations. And I'm like, that's what we do in practice every day. We, we set you up to struggle and work through it. And they're like, yeah, I guess we do do that, don't we? Yeah. And that's a, yeah. a daily occurrence. And then they start seeing uh, those, those practices, uh, you know, with more uh, intentionality. And, uh, but we have this thing called association and disassociation with runners. And... We as runners want to associate with the task at hand. Uh, and a lot of runners you see maybe want to disassociate because it's painful to them. And they think, well, if I put on some headphones and play some music, I'm going to kind of forget about the pain that I'm going through. Uh, but if you're trying to run for performance, that's not very helpful because we want to be very focused on the task at hand, which is breathing and moving oxygen and providing muscle or providing oxygen uh, to those working muscles. So right. that's what that's what I do. And I have a system of counting where I can count breaths, two breaths in, two breaths out, and do a 45 count, and that gets me a minute. And when things start to get rough, I'll be like, okay, let's focus on breathing, do a 45 count, and then see where I am at the end of that minute. Right. And then do it again and see where I am. And the next thing you know, the finish line gets a little closer. Yeah. And yeah. then it's like, okay, I'm, I'm almost there. I can do it now. I can manage it. So, so you, as a runner, you don't just focus on the finish line. You have to focus on what's going on in the immediate, right? I mean, I, so I'm thinking if I were running a race, all I'd think about is that dinner at the end of the race or something like that, you know, just, just kind of uh, looking forward to that. But that's not the only thing you focus on. You got no, I, I do focus on food, especially when... There, there I, you go. That's what I, I was talking about, right? <laughs> I, I remember doing some long runs down on the CNO Canal towpath where I'd run three hours and I would run out for an hour and a half. 
And then that's commitment because there's only one way back. Right. And you aren't getting picked up by a car on the towpath. So right. uh, I would get about two and a half hours into it. And that last half hour, all I would think about was breakfast at Jeannie's Diner. So that worked. And, that worked. and I would go in and I'll, I'd be like, I'll take page two. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. Steve, one more question. This is, this is so good. I, I'm going to make some analogies then to, to our lives with this. But one more question, Steve. Tell us about the, the doo-doo rule. Now, you talk to me about the doo-doo rule. I, t- tell us what that is. Yeah, my um, physiologist and good friend Dave Martin, who passed away last year, uh, lives down in Atlanta, or lived down in Atlanta. And I would go visit Dave three or four times a year when I was running professionally. And... Um, and he would, as a physiologist, he'd take me through a battery of tests each time and give me all this data and suck blood out of me and analyze that and everything. But uh, he had a rule called the doo-doo rule that he developed, and it, it goes something like this. And he prefaces the doo-doo rule by saying that it's right 100% of the time and it's never been proven wrong. Uh, and it goes something like this, if I can remember correctly that it's not necessarily what you do, it's how you recover from what you do do. And if you aren't recovering from what you do do, you're going to be in deep doo-doo. (laughs) Now that says it all right there, doesn't it, church? Steve, thank you so much for just giving us this practical advice from a runner's mind, body, perspective. And uh, church, would you just join me in, in thanking Steve for this just incredible moment. Thank today. you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. And if you want some personal advice or coaching, just see Steve after the service there. But let me just wrap this up this morning. By kind of taking this text now and applying it directly to our lives, the analogies of a runner, what does that mean for us? So here we have the first directive for running well, and that is to throw off everything that hinders. What is it that hinders you from running the race well? So you're in this mud run of life, you're in this life of faith, you began it at some point in your life, and and things get tough. Maybe you're at a place right now where you're hitting the wall, uh, spiritually, and you're not quite sure how to get through that. There's a scripture in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus asked this rhetorical question, and it goes something like this. He says, what does it gain a person if they, what what is the benefit of a person if they gain the whole world but lose their own soul? Now, when Jesus asked that question, he's, he's basically saying, what does it matter if you gain money, if you gain pleasure, if you gain fame? And, and relationships and all of those things, but in the process, they keep you from running your race well and you end up losing your soul. Jesus basically says in that rhetorical question, listen, it's much better for you to put off those things that will keep you from running well. And they might be good things. There's nothing wrong at all with money, fame, pleasure, power, relationships in and of themselves, but if they begin to weigh you down, If they keep you from running well, they may need to be thrown off in order for you to run well. These things could lead to comparisons, distractions, all those things that Steve said can keep a runner from running well. So be willing to strip down to the most basic gear that you need in your life of faith that allows you to run the race set before you. The second thing that keeps you from running well is sin. 
Sin will hold you back. I remember that period of my life, it was about an eight-year period, consecutive year period through my adult, young adult years, that the Lord was not very much a part of my life at all. In fact, he was not a part at all. It was one of those moments where church was not even in my, my lifetime. And I remember one day, right before my life took a major turn, I was sitting down, and for some reason I picked up the Bible, and I, I landed on Psalm 32, which goes like this. The psalmist is writing, and he says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now listen to this. This is what got me right here. David said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And I remember reading that, and I was 24 years old, and I said, that's not the way I want to live my life. I don't want to live my life with the bones like a, of an old man. I don't want to live my life with my strength sapped as in the heat of summer. You know what that's like. You're just exhausted. And that's exactly what sin does. Hidden sin, covered sin, unforgiven sin, unconfessed sin will weigh you down. And it weighs you down more than you ever realize. And I remember thinking at that moment, I do not want to live that way. The very next day, I made an appointment with some people that I had kind of lied my way through life with. I made an appointment with them and I sat down and I confessed everything. And I determined from that day on, I'm going to live my entire life without any, without any debt to sin. Because you don't have to. You don't have to. No debt at all with God. No debt with other people. Life is way, way, way too short to live with unconfessed sin, unrepentant sin, unresolved issues with other people. It's way too short to live with bitterness, anger, and all those things. And you don't have to do that. So to run the race well, you've got to get rid of that sin that so easily entangles you and holds you back. So when Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, you really need to lose things like bitterness and rage and anger and slander and malice. Guess what? That's for your benefit. When Scripture says things like this in Colossians, you really need to lose the, the, those work boots of your earthly nature like sexual Im impurity, uh, sexual immorality, lust, evil desires and greed, anger, rage, malice. Listen, that is not a coach that's attempting to restrict your life or your run. That's a coach that's just telling you how to run well. So when God's Word brings these directives into our lives, it's not to weigh you down. It's not to make life difficult for you. It's not kind of being intolerant. It's not being judgmental. But it's God in His goodness just letting you in on how to run well. That's all that that is. There are things that will weigh you down and make your life extremely hard and wearisome. And what comes from Scripture is God saying, listen, I know how to make you run well. And that's why He gives us these directives. The third coaching point is to run with perseverance, the race marked out for you. And then he tells us how to do that. He simply says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus who endured the cross and opposition from sinful man so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's how you get to the end. That's how you cross the finish line. There has to be a focus. The world and all the circumstances that you're going through right now, they will be totally claimed by the enemy of your life and made to be a distraction for you. 
If Satan can get you to be distracted from Jesus, he's got you exactly where he wants you. If he can get your eyes on anything else other than Christ, it's exactly where he wants you because he knows you will not run well and maybe not even finish. I would just say to you today, it doesn't matter how hard this life is. It doesn't matter how muddy the culture gets. It doesn't matter how disregarded or disrespectful Christianity is in our culture. The reality is we're all in a race and we're all running. The only question is, are you running it well? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture that finish line. I want you to picture that finish line with all the people in heaven, right? We don't know who's there. The the saints and elders all gathered around the throne. They're your cheerleaders, People that you love, people in your lives that have gone on before you, they're there cheering you on. And I also want you to picture Jesus standing there with his arms outstretched, nail-pierced hands outstretched, standing at the finish line just waiting to embrace you and say, well done, you've run well. I want you to picture that. And as you picture that, as you focus on that, that will enable you to run the race. Throw off everything that hinders. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles. Run with perseverance your particular race. Fix your eyes on Jesus and you will run well. Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you so much for this incredible, incredible practical message this morning. We all know what it's like to run. We may not all be like Steve and know what it's like to run marathons or run in the Olympics But we know sometimes that just running, maybe even across the yard or up the stairs, kind of wears us down. But we also know that in the game of life, in the run of life, the mud race, as we're referring to it, there is a weariness that happens so easily to us. But my prayer today would be that as we have heard from a runner, as we've heard from the coach of Hebrews, that this would kind of enable us to uh, fix our eyes where they need to be so that we can run well. Help us to catch that glimpse of, of the end so that we would see those cheerleaders and hear those people cheering us on so that we would be encouraged and motivated by their example to run well. But most of all, help us to, see our, help us to fix our eyes on you, the one who endured it all so that we, you, we might truly live. God, we thank you again for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, church. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song. If you feel like the odds are stacked against you, it's likely that you're running out of either strength, desire, or vision. When that happens, there's the danger of wanting to quit. In today's message, we learn that we can be motivated by the example of Christ and others to keep running the mud race of life with perseverance in order to finish well. Finishing well is the accumulation of small steps in the right direction. What is the next small step you need to take? Thanks so much for joining us today on the Grand Point Church podcast. Your next step starts here. To learn more about us, visit grandpoint.church, and if you're enjoying this podcast, we would love for you to share it with a friend, leave a review, or connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Grand Point Church. We would love to hear from you. We'll see you next week.